you damn right. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday already. Oh, yeah. We're already to hump day, Cowboys fans. And that means it's time to put certain things aside and look forward. This ain't Arkansas baseball, after all. You can't just celebrate a wild card victory. You got to be looking ahead. So we'll start doing that today. It's Chad and Zay on this Wednesday. I'm Chad Hastings, joined once again by Isaiah Collier. He was there for the Battle of the Lakes last night. He was checking out Texas basketball at Iowa State, and we'll talk about all that. What's up, Zay? What's good, Chad? Feeling good on this Wednesday. Big football weekend coming up. How can you not love that? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. The football is going to be tremendous. We got big brand names involved. We got all kinds of teams on winning streaks going into this weekend. Uh, And obviously, we'll be hitting some of the uh, basketball as well. We also have a couple of great conversations. We hope they're going to be great coming up. We always love talking to Justin Wells of Inside Texas. That's Wednesdays at 105. He's a big Cowboys fan. He predicted the Cowboys would win. He's in that group of folks like Zay and some of our other guests that predicted a Cowboys victory. I'm glad he was right, and let's see if he's going to predict it again for the Cowboys Niners. A little bit of a different matchup there. That's at 105, and then at 205, we're going to hit the comedy world, but still stick to sports a little bit because Sam Morrill is going to join us, and uh, Sam is one of the hottest comics out there. He's got a Netflix special that's rolling right now called Same Time Tomorrow, but tomorrow he's going to be in town at the Paramount, and if you don't have your tickets, you need to get those. Zay, give them an idea where they can get those tickets. You can get those tickets at SyntexTickets.com. Now, I haven't checked today, but yesterday there are only three tickets left, according to SyntexTickets.com, so... They might be gone now. Check it out. Yeah, this show was filling up. Even like a week ago when I checked it. Uh, Those shows are filling up. Uh, I'm assuming he's doing, um, since it's the Paramount, it might be just one show. We'll have to double check with him, but they may be doing an early evening and then a late night show as well. Uh, Sometimes they do that in comedy. You can also check out sammorill.com. M-O-R-R-I-L, if you don't know uh, Sam's spelling there. But we're going to talk to him. He has... He's a big sports fan, too. He's a New York guy. He's a Knicks fan. We'll talk to him about football, and he does a podcast now with Julian Edelman, so we're going to get into that a little bit as well. Yeah, it's called Games With Names, a really cool podcast where they find random, old-school, just meaningful, big-time games from back in the day, and they bring on the guest who was in that game or a big part of that game. So they did one with Ricky Williams and that 98 uh what what was it? The record breaker game. Record breaker game mm-hmm. where Ricky hit the Heisman on them boys, and yeah, so they interviewed Ricky Williams there and Shane Battier about all those Duke teams and oh, Duke's legacy and yeah, et cetera. So yeah, he should be a very fun interview. And listening to yeah. one of his specials yesterday, he's also very hilarious. He's good, man. Yeah, he's really good. He's definitely uh, a comedian that I'm. You know, I have not watched a lot of his specials, but he's a guy I'm now aware of. I've seen him in short bursts, and I want to start watching. Watching longer form stuff with him, he is great. Uh, I can't believe I didn't interview one of the members of the A and M defense from that game. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> never mind, never mind. Maybe there's a reason. That win was in that game, wasn't he? Hey, that win was in that game. Trying to figure out uh, how to how to deal with Ricky Williams, and that was a tough day. That was a tough day for the Aggie defense in '98. Although, remember, that was a really close game. That was a weird close battle of a game. The Aggies had won the conference and were going to the conference title game at that point. I think they were like six in the country that day. Yeah. So, ends up being a pretty close game, and Texas needed every bit of Ricky to get it done, but obviously a huge, huge uh, run there at the end. So, we'll talk to Sam about that. 
So all that is coming up uh, a little later in the show. And um, before we get into Texas basketball, because obviously they did, after losing last night, there's going to be some stuff we'll talk about there that isn't necessarily the best news. But I did see a little little bright light of good news as uh, we were about to come on, Zay, that over the last week or so that DeMar Hamlin's been visiting the Bills facility practically every day. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. He's been going into the facility, kind of get trying to get back into a routine. He went to the walkthrough for the team last week, and they said they had to do it was everything they could do to keep the guys like all every guy just wanted to rush right up to him and you know hug him and everything. Yeah. They had to remind him, like fellows, let's be careful, let's be careful, let's let's you know <laughs> right, right, right. come on, let's make sure a little, little, still a little fragile right now. But he's getting you know more and more back into it. I've not heard yet whether they think he could be at the game this weekend. He was not. He, you know, he watched from home last week with his parents, but he and his family went up there for the walkthrough, and he's been going in pretty much now every day now and and being able to see the guys. So that has to be so so cool for that team. Yeah, it's just been an amazing story. We knew how devastating the moment was when he went down a few weeks ago in that Cincinnati Bengals game, and the fact that he's able to now be at home and just. To try to get his life back. I know it really hurts for him not being able to play with his brothers in this big-time divisional game against the Bengals, but hey, we all know there's bigger things in life than football. I know that he understands that, and I know he him just being at the facilities gives his team more juice and just more to play for. So, yeah, that's a beautiful thing, and I love hearing that, you know, he's now at the facilities and just, you know, just able to live his life. Bills and Bengals, 2 o'clock on Sunday as a part of the divisional weekend. We'll definitely get into some NFL. By the way, to our man Tom McKay from AV Consultations that just sent us a picture that said Cowboys Brett Maher tying his shoes before the game and their big old clown shoes. How dare you? How dare you? That is rude. There's no need for that. But we do need to get into those conversations uh, a little as the show goes on today. Cowboys fans, you can let us know how you're feeling. Specs text line 337-3776. Cowboys Niners on Sunday. How you feeling? What's your predictions? What do you think about the kicking situation? Should the Cowboys be dealing with that by working guys out? Or do you put your trust in Maher uh, for this game? So we'll get into that. Zay, last night, Texas uh, went to Ames, Iowa. You expressed concern going into it. It is such a tough place to play. If you watch the game last night, you're reminded what that place can be. And last night... Iowa State definitely was the better team. 78-67 was the final score. We said Texas couldn't get themselves in a hole like they had the two previous games and probably come back. They didn't really do it that way. They got even an er- kind of an early lead, but weren't able to hold on. Uh, we'll get into the game talk here, but uh, what did you see? 78-67 was the final. Um, it felt like a little bit of deja vu for a lot of games that we saw last season. You remember last season's team with Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey as the primary guards. Texas would go into droughts of just not scoring, not getting field goals, 10-minute droughts, 11-minute droughts. 15-minute droughts even, and we saw that last night in the first half. They went on like a seven-minute drought without having with having zero or uh, one field goal. It's, you know, you just can't win in the Big 12 with that type of work. In the second half, they went about 11 minutes without making a field goal. Yeah. So combine that, that's around 18 minutes of not scoring. That's a huge issue. 
That's a huge issue. You're at half a game there. Yeah, that's half a game. Yeah. And I get it. They were making free throws and stuff. But go look at the free throw differential. And if you know me, if you listen to the right call over the years or you heard me on B&E when I was producing or just me on these airwaves at, in general, in college basketball, if a team makes more free throws than you shoot, you have a very limited chance of winning the game. Very slight. Mm-hmm. That's just how college basketball works. There's not too many possessions. It's so hard to score in general, and that shows who's the more aggressive team. Iowa State was last night. They made 23 free throws. Texas only shot 22. But, Zay, Texas hit 86% from the free throw line. It don't matter. They made 23. Texas only shot 22. The turnovers, and it wasn't like Texas had crazy amount of turnovers, just the differential and the timeliness of those turnovers. It seemed like every time Texas turned over the rock, Iowa State hit a big shot on the other end or scored. And, you know, going back to the first half where everything changed, Texas was up 29 to 18. Gabe Kausher hit a three. Texas goes down on the other end. Marcus Carr goes up for a floater. And Caleb Grill, Caleb Bill Lambeer Grill, does the dirtiest thing that I've seen in a minute. Undercuts Dylan Mitchell. Mm. No call. Look, I couldn't believe that one. Look, Rodney Terry, I love you. You're a part of my family. You and my dad go way back. My big papa and your father, stepbrothers. Coach Terry, you got to do a better job in getting in the ref's stuff. You got to you got to jump the ref's bones. He kind of pointed after Caleb Grill hit the three because he was just kind of really focused on. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it's a five on four situation. So he was more focused on that than Dylan Mitchell. No. That you're borderline getting the tech at that point. So he needed to be out on the you floor. You have to be on the floor. You him. need to be. You need to have uh, Coach Donald Wald hold you back. Chappelle, all those guys, Chris Ogden, they should be holding you back because that's unacceptable. That ref was right there. That's his call. That's an easy call. I read for about five years or so, which we'll definitely get to that later on. The flex segment about these refs out here in Central Texas and, you know, me being the greatest ref in Central Texas history. I feel a certain way mm-hmm. about no calls like that. But that's absolutely unacceptable. I mean, your coach, Terry, even though the momentum was going in Iowa State's direction and you might get a tech in doing that to give them more points, it would have kind of settled down the crowd because crowd, they can't be loud during the Iowa State free throw. So it would have settled down the crowd, and that's when you grab your guys and you let them know, yo, hey, this is BS. We're not going to get pumped up in here. Mm -hmm. You see how they just did Dylan Mitchell? No call? It's us against the world out here. Mm -hmm. F everybody else. We are not going to get out physical out here. And that changed the game. He did not do that. And the horns, they kind of play to that. It's like Iowa State. They got the juice from that moment. Like Caleb Grill did that dirty move, came back, hit a three. Now it's 29-24. And the energy in that building went up. Yeah. Way up. Yeah. Then uh, Oshunei, he gets a steal. Jaron Holmes, who Jaron Holmes was nice, man. He was throwing up all types of crazy uh, floaters and running hooks and stuff. He gave the horns absolute problems. He had one of those nice little hook scoop layups. 8-0 run. Now it's 29-26. They call a timeout. Good timeout. But you got to know Serge Abari Rice, Marcus Carr, if they're pressing you, you can't throw the ball in the corner. That's what they want. That's what every press team wants. That's a hot spot. Do not throw the ball in the corner, Marcus Carr. Gets the ball in the corner. Turns it over. Jaron Holmes. 
finish. Now they end up taking that lead. And that's it just it was a trickle down effect from that point on. And yeah, the Horns had, you know, times where they tied the game and maybe took the lead and they were down one at half, but it just seemed like after that moment, they got out physical. And mm-hmm. in the Big Twelve, in a really physical league, you can't have that happen. So yeah, you know, you look at the free throw differential, the turnover margin, and the three point margin. That's a big deal too. The fact that the Iowa State Cyclones, they went 38% from the three-point line. The Horns went 24%. That's a problem, too. Yeah. That, no. that, that's an issue, too. Four of 17 overall. Texas shoots only two of four in the first half. It was like the reverse of the last game. They only took four of them in the first half, hit two out of four, no problem. Then in the second half, they end up hoisting up 13 of them, and they only hit two. Uh, and, Zay, I'm glad you mentioned that run in there. Not only that physical play and then how it kind of turned things, but we've watched these last couple games when Texas was making comebacks where the halftime score was big because they were able to trim it enough to make it feel reasonable. The fact that Iowa State led at the half last night I thought was devastating for Texas. Yes. With what, the way they started, the momentum they had at one point, and then that sequence you just mentioned, it felt like they had had the life sucked out of them by halftime. Man, that hurt. <laughs> that really hurt. And that's that's when, you know, your coach Terry, you got to jump the rest bones. Again, you know, that's sometimes you got to get a yeah. tech. Sometimes you got to get a tech to let your coach or to let your team know, oh, coach is pissed. And, you, and it, that it won't stand. And it won't stand. Yeah. And that will carry over for the rest of the game. But it seemed like Coach Terry, he didn't make it a big issue because he was worried about the run. If so, you should have called the timeout after Grill made that shot. Mm-hmm. So then you could jump their bones. Yeah. And then you could let your team know, yo, we got to regroup. They're being the aggressor. We ain't getting no calls, obviously. Like those refs, they should be, I'm not saying terminated, but suspended. At least that ref on the baseline, that's his call. That's yeah. that's right. so bogus. Especially we're in the era where if you touch a guy, you get kicked out the game. Right. Like Draymond Green was watching that game like, yo, I would have been tossed. <laughs> yeah, right. I would have been tossed and fined. Draymond's like, that would have cost me like 75 grand. You I kidding think, right me? There. Yeah, that's one. I've never been an official in my life. I've never refereed any sport in my life. And just your natural sports watching tells you, oh, yeah, that's not right. That's not right. What's that? It's a foul. It's easy. Yeah. Um, that, that is tough. 78 67, the final. Let us know what you thought of that uh, last night. And um, there's a lot. Uh, somebody says, My question on that uh, players, why did none of the Longhorn players stand up for that guy? I would have been going after him if he does that to my teammate. I can understand, but again, you're also in an era where every little thing is going to get watched and the old saying about they're going to notice the reaction and not the first thing um but that's but also the game action is still going on there too yeah right the entire team can't go to him immediately because the game's still going and dylan mitchell got up it's not like he stayed on the ground he got up so it kind of looked like okay he's all right let's forget about it let's move on but it doesn't take away the dirtiness of the yeah nah bruh and i agree with that specs texture that's one of those Okay, if I'm Brock Cunningham or somebody not one of the key guys, maybe Christian Bishop, and we're on defense one play, and somebody like Gabe Kausher or Caleb Grill comes across that middle, just a little, 
Mm. Somebody gets an, somebody gets an elbow yeah, in the ribs. Check in the ribs. That's yeah. it. Nothing in the face. <laughs> nothing in the crotch area. Nothing too dirty. Just a little check. And hey. it might be called no face or crotch. Yeah, here. no face or crotch. What? Just a little check. Just We're to just... know. Hey, we here too. What y'all doing here? Yeah. That ain't gonna be tolerated, bruh, bruh. You know, we we keep talking about it, man. But this conference, this conference is this conference for a lot of different reasons. But physicality is one of them. And it unless you are shooting. I don't know, 55% from the floor and about 45% from three, you must return the physicality. You got to. You cannot get smacked around, especially in someone else's barn. Because we have all we've seen that place, man. It's one of the unsung heroes, just like at K-State is. And we'll talk about that place here in a second. But it's one of those places that's got its own sort of reputation. It's not Allen Fieldhouse. And it's not Kentucky, but it's got its own sort of legend. Yeah, you can't let those people get fired up like that. Yeah, it's got that. that country rowdiness to it. Yeah, it's so just this, it's this different type of place. And you know, Texas played dumb, also, just way too many stupid fouls. You know, there was a possession where the shot clock was going down, and I'm like, okay, yeah, great D, guys. And then Marcus Carr just hacks Kalsher. And he goes to the line to make free throws. Bails and him you're out, just man. like, come on, guys. And another huge key possession in the second half, Oshunei, he was kind of the unsung hero. He was kind of the X factor for their team, the 6'11". I thought he was really good. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was really good, too. And he was also, you know, they were just so cocky yesterday. Caleb Grill, he had a, he made a huge shot in the second half, and he was looking at the Texas bench, doing the timeout gesture. And then Oshunei, yeah. he would finish on a Dylan Asu or a Christian Bishop, and he would do the, you're too small. Yeah. gesture. He was smirking all night. Oh, short thing my goodness, you're y'all. Right. Like, come on. We, we got we to gotta bring that back. We got to give them a taste of their own medicine. We can't get punked. And I, it seemed like the Orange just got punked a little bit yesterday. Just, mm-hmm. and, and Coach Terry, it starts with you. Like, if you get that tech, or if you almost get that tech, if you on the court yelling at the ref like, yo, protect my players. Right. Protect my guys. Like, that's dirty. I'm, thank goodness Dylan Mitchell is a superior athlete and just has a great physique. It kind of reminded me of a, that Bijan Robinson freshman year where Ugh. he went all crazy and right. he flip-flopped like a cardboard box uh, scor- against Texas Tech. The scorpion Tech. thing? Yeah, against Texas <laughs> yeah. Tech. Just some guys are able to bounce back for things just due to their athletic gifts and their abilities. So he was able Dylan Mitchell was able to get up, so it wasn't that big of a deal. It could have been bad. Right. That uh, could have been really bad. It's a great point. You got people agreeing with you on the Specs text lines, and no way a coach should allow what happened to Mitchell and then do nothing and about it. Chad, I love Coach Terry. We come from the same family. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. We were taught with good manners, taught to respect people. Like, I, I remember all the time just being out places as a little kid and being with my dad, and I didn't say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. My dad flicked me in my ear. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. I'd be like, nope, yes. Flip me out of ah, yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. You try to no, nope. ma'am. You try to yeah, nope yeah, a total not, stranger. Yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking. I'm not, I'm not thinking about those things, but just those little things getting me right. Like, I, I, I love Coach Terry. I know where he comes from, but that's, that's one of those moments where you got to get out of character and you got to show your team, hey, we're on the road, everybody against us. Every time Tyrese Hunter gets the rock, he's getting booed. We got to have his back. And Tyrese Hunter got off to a good start, but then what we've seen in recent games, he'll just go invisible. Yeah, that kind of flattened it's out. It's like, dang, man, what happened? Yeah, that was weird. That's, I mean, obviously, we all could you know, 
the idea of that happening to you. You know it's going to happen coming in, and the fact that uh, he wasn't able to deal with it throughout the game, and, and the team wasn't able to deal with it as much as they uh, as much as they would have liked to. That that was tough. He ends up three of eleven shooting, two of six from three, and they boot him right to the last possession. Oh yeah, man. oh yeah. You knew he was going to get that. They let him have it. Uh, Texas loses seventy eight sixty seven. Give us your thoughts on it. Specs text line three three seven three seven seven six. Next up for Texas, another crazy environment that can uh, that the Big. 12 can provide and another physical environment at West Virginia is Saturday afternoon at 5. As so, of right now, Texas has the toughest schedule, remaining schedule in the nation. Is that right? That's not even close. Wow. It's not even close. This is a must win in Morgantown on Saturday. Mm-hmm. With where West Virginia is at the bottom of the Big 12, with what you got coming up, it's it's going to get real. Two games, two games you got coming up, you have to win those. You have to. You got West Virginia at West Virginia. You got Oklahoma State coming to the mood. After that, you got to go to Knoxville to play against the nine-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. You got Baylor, who they're looking to get back on their feet, and they've kind of lost some games in the Big 12. They're coming to the mood. Still got to go to Manhattan, play Kansas State. Then right after that, same week, got to play against Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. You might as well just stay in Kansas, dadgummit. I can't believe they have to play at those two places back-to-back. Ain't that brutal? <laughs> that's that's amazingly difficult. Still got to go United Supermarket Arena. Still got to play your rival, OU, that comes to your house. Still got to play Iowa State again that just beat you last night. Yeah, and you still got to go to Waco. Waco. Still got to go to Fort Worth. Oh, Come yeah. on, man. You got to go to it's that not- one. <sighs> you go to Fort Worth, just that, just that court messes me up watching it on TV. <laughs> I can't imagine what it looks like when you have to go play on the thing live. Uh, crazy schedule coming for Texas. We'll continue to talk about that. And obviously the NFL schedule, a big part of the discussion. Cowboys fans, we want to hear from you today as you start to transition your thoughts. The celebration after beating Tampa. But hey, Mike McCarthy said it. As soon as they hit the ground, got to be focused on the Niners. What do you think of Cowboys 49ers. We'll start to get into that matchup and some of the other NFL games. Also last night in the Big 12 in basketball, uh, Zay mentioned a couple of the teams. Baylor did get the win against Texas Tech. Tech 0-6 now in the conference. And Kansas State ended the Kansas run and finally gave them a conference loss. We'll be talking about those today as well. Busy show for us on a Wednesday. Stay with us. It's the Horn. Uh, we're off to a jamming start. I like that. Like the guitars. Like the feel. I don't know if we have any vocals coming. Six minute song. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not quite recognizing it uh, yet, Zay. Who you got? Let's see if there's vocals. Okay. Uh, Ooh, wow. Well, they got yeah, going. Yeah, this is like three minutes in. They did get going. Nah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Iron Maiden. No idea. Wow. Okay. Agent Steel. Agent Steel. The day at Guyana? Guyana. Guyana? Okay. Agent Steel. They're trying to teach us a little history and get oh. us some metal at the same time. All right. Agent Steel gets us started. We got a lot of text rolling in on you the You know who specs. that is? Text line. Not familiar now. Oh. 
It's a good sound. Yeah, but if you don't know who it is, then yeah, that's no, tough. You know, a little bit, little bit on the outskirts there. Uh, we got text rolling in of different types, Cowboys and Longhorns mainly. This says uh, kind of ripping on Dak Prescott for ripping on Brett Maher and at the end saying Dak needs some humble pie and needs to have a seat. Um, that's what I was saying yesterday. I don't if know. I, if I was Brett, I was saying, well, Dak has some nerve. I wasn't over here saying let's throw Cooper Rush in the game where he was throwing his pick sixes. Yeah, I think uh, to me it's just a perspective issue. You have not. I mean, Brett Maher did something that no other kicker has ever done in the history of the NFL. Yeah, he didn't make the wrong kind of history, huh? I mean, come on. This is to me. This is it's like going back to the Peyton Manning, Mike Vanderjack stuff. The quarterback's the quarterback, and the kicker's the kicker. The question this week is: Should they have had multiple kickers on that field at the star? Yesterday, not yesterday, Monday morning at 7 a.m. That's the question. The question is, should the special, should, should Fossil have been dealing with a few kickers Monday morning? My answer would be yes. Yeah. Because the Niners give up about, what, 13 to 20. Yeah, they, around there. And they can also beat you 35-13 while they're doing it. But they're not going to give up a ton. You're going to need big kicks in big moments. The extra points are obviously big, which he just had trouble with, but you're going to need to turn to him for big field goals. Please don't tell me you're going to go for every fourth and six, fourth and four, fourth and eight. No, Chad, we're just going to, we got some plays. We're good. Really? That's how you're going to do it? You're not going to trust him? So, because you can't do that. You can't go no. all the way to San Francisco with a guy you won't trust to kick it, and then you're telling me you're not going to try out new guys that you might trust. Yeah, they got a problem with a short week. Right. It's already Wednesday. This game's coming up fast. Five days. Good point. Yes, uh, we've said it. Niners get seven. You get five days. Extra advantage for their number two seed and their status in these playoffs. So that matchup obviously coming up. We're going to talk a whole lot about it. Yo, this it can week. be done. The Rams were a five seed playing on Monday night last year, just like the Cowboys. Yeah, that's true. It and can be done. And it does point out, Dak spoke at a press conference backing Maher. Can't rip him uh, for in the moment during the game. I would totally agree. Dak said it. Look, I was emotional during the game, and but I've had bad days. He just had a bad day. We're going to back our guy. That's what he said after the game. I don't think there's any reason for Dak or Maher to be going back and forth. If that's what this week turns into, then the Cowboys are really in trouble. Yeah. Like, you got to focus on the right stuff here. Come on, Brett. Don't be no punk. Who is he? Dak Prescott, lead leader in interceptions. You have one good game and you have the right to talk this stuff. Okay, bro. Brett Maher needs to eat everything he's given right now. Brett Maher better not have any attitude this week. 19, you make kicks. That's what you do. Oh, man. Wow, we just make kicks. He's a part of the team. He's I, a football yeah, player. He's a part of the team. When he goes out to the club, if he's single, I don't know his relationship situation, they ask, woman asks, what do you do? He says, I play football for the Dallas Cowboys. He doesn't yeah. say, I'm the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, that, that's fair. What if Noah Brown had dropped four balls? Wouldn't mm. we be saying he needs to catch the ball and shut up? I yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. What if Ezekiel Elliott had had four fumbles in that game? Wouldn't we say, hey, man, <laughs> yeah. you can't run. he can't run his mouth? Yeah, but I doubt if Dak would say, why are we throwing him the effing ball? Why are we running the effing ball if those things were to happen? Um, it's the way that people look at kickers. Right. That's true. That's true. People and, don't give kickers any respect. Yeah. So a lot of that Dak's feeling during the game, that emotion, had to do with that. That's true. That is Which, true. Which, in a way, uh, say what you want about kickers, 
that's not good. And then you come back and say, yeah, he's our guy. Yeah, you're supposed to say that, obviously. But the way that we look at kickers, Dak was feeling that on the sideline, and mm. that came out. And he did it after the third one. Let's after be- the third one where you're th- up. You should be comfortable at that. Well, not comfortable yeah, yeah, with Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. But right. the way that you're rolling, Dak, you're the quarterback. You're the one that's making everything go. You should be comfortable to say, he missed the third one. It don't matter. We're gonna put up twenty four right back down. They ain't yeah. gonna stop us no way. It's tough because you're again you're going off a of one moment, a moment you catch on TV, and it took him a second and a half to do what he did. And then we don't know how he interacted with Maher the rest of the game. Did he not speak to him? Did he walk over and hit him on the shoulder pad and say, "Hey man, we're gonna need you." you yeah, know, focus. We don't know. You, so- you need to buy Maher one of those uh, 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 go yard bags that you bought Zeke. Or I don't know if Zeke bought it for him during Hard Knocks. Either way, they do like their bags, like luggage and stuff, like women Oof. do. Buy him some luggage. Obviously, that's the Cowboys' way. Buy him some luggage. Don't take too much baggage to San Francisco. Let's, ho- <laughs> let's hope Maher doesn't take much, because if that if that goes with him, that could be really tough, that man. That was a pretty good dad joke. Whew, thank you. Uh, let us know what you think of Cowboys Niners. Um, this says uh, Dak is like uh, Herman, never addressed the kicker. Uh, I think he knows his name. I think he may know his name. I, I'm not sure if we had that that situation, like the Tom Herman. No, see, Tom Herman wouldn't say the name of his punter, and it was one of the greatest punters anybody had ever seen. What are we doing? That's different. His punter was the MVP of a bowl game, and he would barely give him the credit. This is something a little different. Uh, but Cowboys, Niners, by the way, going into this week, I heard Aaron talking about this a little bit on B&E. It is some amazing streaks that we've got going on. You've got Niners, Eagles, excuse me, uh, Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys have all won you know, a game, just one game. But everybody else has streaks going on. The AFC teams combined have won 28 in a row because of the little anomaly with the Bengals and uh, Bills not playing. They've won six, Jacksonville six, Kansas City five, Cincinnati nine, Buffalo eight. And if you add San Francisco in, who's won 11 in a row – that's 39 games in a row between those five football teams. So we got teams, Zay, that are on streaks, that are looking really good. Uh, and, you know, obviously we'll give the respect to Philly and to Kansas City. They're the number one seeds for reasons. They get that week off. But also, now let's see what Buffalo and San Francisco look like after another week. These are the number two seeds. They are at home, hosting good football teams, hosting good quarterbacks. But they're number two seeds for a reason, and let's see what they look like. I'm kind of – if I had to lean right now, I just think there's something about this Cincinnati team. I might actually be picking them to win that game. But in the Cowboys-Niners game, early week, you know, midweek thoughts, uh, the Cowboys absolutely can win this game. Right. They can. Right now I'd pick the Niners to win it, though. I think at home I think it's probably going to be uh, – might be a little tough for the Cowboys to get out of there. Yeah, I mean, look at the short week situation. Niners have seven days to prepare. Cowboys only have five. That might be a factor, but just with everything that the 49ers have going for them, I think the key is can that very good front line of the Dallas Cowboys get pressure on Brock Purdy that he hasn't seen throughout you know his very early NFL career? He's only played seven games, and he hasn't played – anybody that has the type of front line that the Cowboys do on the defensive side. So if that could give him problems, then 
that that it might be a you know it might be a different game for the Cowboys depending on what Dak Prescott can do and him taking care of the ball because that's always going to be a question with him. If he could be clean, I think the Cowboys have a chance to play with anybody. But just all that talent you have on both sides of the 49ers squad, that's going to be tough to overcome. But at the end of the day, just very specific things like getting to Brock Purdy, make life difficult for him. He hasn't mm-hmm. had a bad game yet, and a lot of that goes with who he has around him. When you got Christian McCaffrey, you know, around you, makes life easier. When you got George Kittle, who, oh. you know, again, we, we always forget with Brock Purdy coming from Iowa State and how heavily Matt Campbell used those tight ends there, Kyle Shanahan being the offensive guru he is, he's probably seen that. He probably went to see, you know, okay, what did Brock really like to do when he got into the lineup and went back and looked at Iowa State film and said, okay, he likes this, he likes that. Well, we got a high-quality tight end that could do all those things and then some, plus just now Debo Samuel's healthy, so what do you focus on if you're Dan Quinn and you go to the drawing board like what do we need to stop first to give us the advantage it's going to be yes get pressure on Brock Purdy but after that where do you go and I think that's going to be the biggest question that this coaching staff has leading up to the game to answer he's got massive yeah he's got such good weapons to deal with Uh, I'm always worried about the opposing tight end uh, I feel like we're in this era of Cowboys football where because they don't care enough about the safety position and then sometimes they put themselves in trouble at linebacker, it's tight ends that can eat them up. Gronk's eaten them up in the past. Those Patriot teams when, with Brady would eat them up with tight ends and crossing routes and stuff like that and, and flex receivers and slot receivers and the Edelmans and Wes Welkers of the world would beat them up too from the inside. So I'm really worried about Kittle in this game. I was driving in today thinking about it. Kittle with Wilson guarding him. Kittle with Micah Parsons. That's another thing. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, what am I going to make Micah Parsons think about in this game? I know Purdy's thinking about him, and I know I'm thinking about him as the head coach. What do I need to make Micah Parsons think about? You send Kittle in motion. Does Micah Parsons, is he going to chip Micah Parsons? Is he going to run right by Micah Parsons? Does Micah ever cover Kittle in a situation? Are you going to drop him into coverage at all? What Shanahan's going to try to do to Micah Parsons, I think, is a huge part of this game because one way to attack him is to literally attack him. Right. Throw screens over him. Run right at him. Don't just let him sit out there and go edge rush badass all day long. I think Kittle's a big part of that. And then that's not even mentioning CMC and Debo Samuel. There's just so much that they throw at you. And a person who's going to be key to this game, he's not going to be key in the stat sheet. He might not catch a touchdown. Hell, he might not even get a touch. The best fullback in the league, which I know fullback isn't really a real position anymore, but how the 49ers use Kyle Juszczyk. Yep. That's when that's that question with Michael Parsons. Kyle Uzcheck, it's gonna be huge for him when he chips him and maybe goes out to, for those swing passes and just making their offense go on the ground. Christian McCaffrey, you know, Debo Samuel when he's in the backfield, Elijah Mitchell even, and, and you know, even Uzcheck. Somebody sometimes he gets carries when you're worried about all those other guys like yeah. Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey. When you're worried about all them, they'll <laughs> randomly just hand off to Uzcheck and he'll get like 15 yards or something. <laughs> A little inside hand up or a swing pass. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a great point. The way they use all those guys is amazing. The other thing that Seattle learned that hopefully the Cowboys can take advantage of or, or learn from, there was a big difference in that game last week between I've got him and I've got him. 
I think I got him, and I know I've got him. When it came to Brock Purdy, you got to get him on the ground. He's not the most elusive quarterback. We know that. But when he breaks the, if he could just break away from one thing, he's slippery enough. There's an option out there. Mitchell, that big swing pass out to Mitchell on the right, I thought was one of the biggest plays of that game. So the Cowboys have to watch that. Whether it's Parsons, Williams, uh, Lawrence, whoever it is, if you are, if you're at him, if you're there, you got to put him on the ground. Put Brock Purdy on the ground. Make him throw the ball away. Don't let him get to that other option. Cowboys, Niners, let us know what you think. Somebody's texted. Brock Purdy has not faced a defense like Dallas yet. He hasn't. These two defenses are so impressive. If you love defensive football like I do and you don't love the Cowboys or the Niners, just sit back and enjoy that part. I can't do that because I'm a Cowboys fan. But these two defensive fronts, they determine what happens here. Parsons and the crew... Bosa and the crew, this is serious defensive talent on both sides. Whichever quarterback, we may just be able to look at the end of the game and go, who's got a cleaner jersey? Yeah. Because who's got a cleaner jersey probably wins the ball game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's two first-team all-pro edge, rush, edge rushers going at it, Michael Parsons and Nick Bosa. Mm. And I think whoever has the better game will be a huge key for which team wins. I think you are right. Cowboys-Niners, it just sounds like big-time football, doesn't it? Those two, plus a couple other NFC East teams in the NFC, and then you got those talented quarterbacks riddled through the AFC. There's not one of them that you don't trust. There is one you got a question about maybe with Trevor Lawrence after the sloppy game he had to start with, but by the end of it, he looked like a badass. So you got him against Mahomes, and obviously you got Burrow and Allen. We'll be talking NFL playoffs throughout the rest of the week. Coming up at 105, Justin Wells of Inside Texas, his thoughts and maybe a prediction on Cowboys and Niners. We'll get his thoughts on Texas basketball last night, too. A big disappointment in Ames. Not just that they lost, how they lost and got pushed around. 78 67. We're talking about that today. Up next in the crap bag, I'll try to explain that crazy Alabama story for you. One of the best basketball teams in the country dealing with a, a story about murder. Yeah, we'll lay it out for you, at least a little bit of it, on the horn. Let her get to it here. See if I have a guess. Feel like I should know this. It seems like it would be right up Wendy's alley. It does seem like something my wife might be into. Every heartbeat, every heartbeat belongs. Ooh, that's not Amy Grant, is it? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it had that. It had that happy Amy Grant feel to it. Yeah, there it is. It's a beautiful, talented woman. But was she late eighties, early nineties? Yeah, I'd say that's probably when it when it started. The hair yep. looks nineties. Kind of that straight laced, straight up sort of um, like a sort of like an Olivia Newton John vibe with the songs, without even doing like let's get physical. Like okay. Amy Grant was just straight laced right down the line. Amy ended up married to. 
Is she the one that married uh, uh, Vince Gill for a while? Is that who mm. I'm thinking of? Maybe they're still married. They may still be together. I think that's right. Uh, Amy Grant and Agent Steele probably didn't tour together. Have, probably haven't been on tour together. But uh, I'd love to hear a little combo there. I'd love to hear Agent Steele uh, try an Amy Grant song. All right, uh, Chad and Zay with you on this Wednesday. We got a lot of good text coming in. Uh, about the Cowboys matchup, about the Longhorn basketball game last night. This text just says, better coaching will win. Not good for the boys. One fan thinking that maybe uh, Kyle Shanahan's group is going to be able to outcoach the Cowboys. We'll see about that. Uh, that's part of the matchup that would worry me as yep. a Cowboys fan. I know Kyle Shanahan can outdance Big Mike. Did you see him dancing in the locker room after the game? I did not. Yikes. No, I didn't see that. I'm we don't need to get in a who's cooler contest between these two head coaches. Yeah, it's not even close. It's not going to go well for us Cowboys fans when you look at Kyle Shanahan, what he looks like to start with. He's yeah. not like, I don't know that he's all the way to like a Cliff Kingsbury handsome level, but that's a good looking dude. Good looking dude. Younger guy. It, you know, Went to UT, got like a swag, awesome yeah. swag to him. There's just a certain, you know, certain thing. He shares a tattoo with Rod Babers. Like, Mike McCarthy can't say that. Where they get on the ass? You know, but I don't think that's where it is. Oh, okay. Him, Chris Sims, who else? Yeah, their, Rod. their group. It's those yeah, those three. Missing one more person. And I can't recall who the other one is. I think okay. it's four guys. Four or five, okay. maybe, of that of that group that have, they have the same one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, th- that that's a part of it that if this does boil down to just – straight up coaching Cowboys may be in trouble we know what the, what can happen if the details get out of whack a little bit so as we transition from facing um Byron Leftwich in maybe his last game probably his last game calling for the Bucks and whatever was going on with that mess of a team and now you're transitioning to the Niners you you're going how about this you're going from a team that had only won 8 games this team has won 11 in a row just to give you the full perspective there and Brock Purdy has not lost obviously since he took over so to make Cowboy fans feel a little more safe let's say seven in a row since Brock Purdy took over um is it seven or is it eight it would be or six uh, yeah it's let's see it's 11 and I think it's six isn't it wasn't it five in the regular and then the playoff game okay something like that I think we're we're not counting the game he came in for Jimmy G because he came in early no no yeah I think full starts I think it's six full starts six I think it's six at this point uh all right let's get into the crap bag we'll talk a little bit about that Bama story and uh, a comment on the Arkansas ring as well Chad's crap bag crap bag if you need an easy way to remember it just Think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Yes, they wanted to know what the crap bag thought of the Arkansas thing. I'll get to that, but another SEC team going through something completely bizarre. Uh, Alabama's basketball team looked at what the Texas basketball team has dealt with in the last couple of weeks and said, hold our beer. We'll show you a problem. We'll show you a crazy you know, controversy to deal with. I had, I saw the headline a few days ago, kind of didn't believe it, and then just dug into this last night. Darius Miles, a name I'm sure Zay knew and a lot of basketball fans knew from Bama, not one of the elite players, right? Not one of their absolute best. No, when I first thought when I first saw this story, I thought it was old NBA player Darius Miles who came out of high school. Yeah, me in too. Like the early 2000s, so I had to really like look into it and realize, oh, there's another Darius Miles. So but, this is a current yeah. player. On their bench. 
Right. Right, one of their bench guys. Yeah, uh, he's no like Brandon Miller or Jamal Quirley or anything. He is 21 years old. Bama, number four team in the country, in case you don't know. Uh, he's now been charged with capital murder. The authorities uh, say he pro- he admitted to providing the gun for this murder. He didn't actually pull the trigger, but it was his gun. Uh, a young woman named Jamie Harris is dead, first and foremost. Thoughts and prayers and everything going out to her family. She's 23 years old. She is dead. Uh, shot and killed in Tuscaloosa Sunday morning in like the you know kind of downtownish college area of uh, of T town there Alabama played Vanderbilt on Tuesday after all this and if you don't know Jerry Stackhouse is the coach right of Vandy right after the game he's sitting there holding the stat sheet and they asked him about playing the game and did you think it was the right thing to do he crumples up the stat sheet and said I can't even believe we played this game clearly they were the better team they did win the game Bama did but he said I can't believe it those guys to deal with all that I'm not even sure why we played so there was just a lot of confusion and craziness there but um yeah a, the report is that this 21-year-old Bama basketball player and then a 20-year-old man planned I guess planned out this idea and killed this woman 23 years Jeez, old man. that's what he's being accused of he, his defense lawyer says that he maintains his innocence and he and his family are heartbroken over Harris's death I have not read the connection between the three people and uh, any of that but just a sad story there um, for um, you know for for some young people there in Alabama but uh, we'll see how the Alabama team reacts to all of that uh, as again they're, they're four in a country that's a really good team oh yeah they're good to have to deal with something like hey, this those is crazy. Squad. That is crazy. Uh, the other story uh, involving an SEC team, you may have seen it, Arkansas getting ripped a little bit for making College World Series rings, even though they didn't win the College World Series. So as the crap bag, let me lay this out for you. I think Arkansas is okay making these rings. I'm not a big fan of you shouldn't make a bowl ring if you lose the bowl. That's rule number one. Through the years, we talked about it. Mac Brown did it while he was at Texas. Mike Gundy did it once with Oklahoma State. Um, some other schools have done it. And if you're making a ring and you lose the bowl, I don't think that makes much sense. But um, in the case of college basketball and college baseball, the Final Four itself and the College World Series itself, that's a huge boundary line. When you get there, it's a big deal. If you don't get there all the time, or if you haven't won a bunch of national titles, if my if my eyes are correct and my research is correct, Arkansas. Now remember they got super close one year, but they haven't won a title in baseball. So them getting to Omaha is a big deal, and that's why I would allow them to make a ring. Now Texas or USC, if they tried to make a ring for just getting to Omaha and they didn't win it all, well that'd be silly. Because they're blue blood, multiple championship, whatever. And our man Chris B. immediately hit me back on Twitter. Well, Chad, has your team made a ring? Because your Aggies just had like the best season they've ever had in baseball and advanced in, in Omaha, didn't win it. I'd be surprised if AM didn't. And to me, they can because it's all about kind of your expectation level there. But Omaha itself is a big deal. So to me, if a baseball team wants to do it, I'd understand. Every Texas baseball fan I know would say it's silly for the Longhorns to do that. But Arkansas? What's the problem? Um, I don't know. I disagree, Chad. I think it's weak because we're talking about the SEC. Like, SEC in college baseball is pretty big time. Okay, but they haven't won it. 
So? Get a jacket. What do you mean, so? Get a jacket. You didn't win it. Okay, but okay. what if a team has never won a national title in basketball and they get to the Final Four? Can they make a ring? No, you get a banner. You get like a, a sign. Whatever your field is, you get a big sign that says College World Series appearance and okay. 20-something-something. So everybody goes to that game and remember so, that team. So you're making the argument that I heard Ty make today earlier, or uh, Ty Henderson make earlier on a show. He was saying ring equals championship. Yes. So ring can't just equal we did something good. No. Okay. Yeah. I, I could. You know what? I could live with that. It's kind of like get, it's kind of like a the promise ring. If you're in a relationship, puppy love type situation, yeah. or even not, it's way worse if you're an adult and you give a woman a promise ring. Like what? She's gonna be like, "What the hell is this? Where's the big one?" I'm like, "Oh, we're not there yet. Why not? You're not that important." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You get the big ring on the big day when y'all become engaged. I've never understood the promise ring. Neither did I. Yeah, that makes no sense. Never, never made sense. This says if the ring says we went all the way to Omaha and all we got is this stupid ring, that's fine. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Now somebody also points out that Arkansas, they said aren't they known for getting to the College World Series? They do call themselves the Omahogs. They like make that kind of part of the moniker. So yeah, if, I feel like a lot of SEC teams have been to Omaha. So if it's that normal... Maybe you shouldn't be doing that. This says, no, Chad, you don't get rings or trophies for not winning so Aggie of you. Eh, okay. But I'm just saying I could understand it more. Like, I watched, I'll give you an example. I watched the Texas women's basketball team get sized up for rings when they made the Final Four. Should they have just said no? Because they, they literally got a ring that had an NCAA. It was a real basic-looking ring. It just had an yeah. NCAA Final Four. So when you make the Final Four, they size up all four teams for rings. I think they do it men's and women's. Should they not be doing that? Should the team say, yeah, we're good? You shouldn't take it. You shouldn't take it. You shouldn't take the ring. Okay. You didn't win it. All right. That's fair. That's an, interest, that's an interesting way to look at it, and, and I hadn't thought of it that way, but uh, I definitely am against it with the bowl game thing. This one's a little bit boundary line, but I, I, get, I get the point. You call yourself the Omahogs, and you're there at least pretty regularly. Even if you haven't won at all, do you really want to celebrate that much? And they put the information out that it's there, and, uh, you know, all that stuff. Weak. Right, and of course, somebody just texted me the picture of the plaque that you know A and M gave Jimbo Fisher with the national championship and the indeterminate year. Trust me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I get you. Now that's that's a whole different level of silly, uh, right there. You know, if, if you ask me, do I hope that A and M would have made rings off of the of last year's baseball? No, I hope they didn't. <laughs> I hope they did not. I'm telling you, I'd be surprised if they didn't, because I would have assumed maybe they uh, maybe they would have done that. But that I, I like that line. Let's draw that line. If you have a ring and it's a sports team, can we just at least agree you should have won your last game, whatever that is? You win a bowl game and you want to celebrate. I'm good with it. But yeah, okay, fair enough. You go to the Final Four, go to Omaha. Not quite enough for finger jewelry. It's enough to brag about. And like Zay said, what do you get? You get a banner. You get a banner. Yeah. You get it marked in the stadium. You get to celebrate it. You you probably get a T-shirt. Yeah. You probably get a T-shirt that has all the team's names on it, and it says you went to the went to Omaha. Congratulations. You probably shouldn't make rings. A decade later, you probably get a reunion tour where they team gets to come back and 
you know, show their love and everybody gets to love them and give them a standing ovation at one of the regular season games or something like that, but you don't get no ring. All right, there it is. Arkansas, I tried to give you a little leeway. They all talked me the other way. Now you suck. Uh, that's just the, that's the way it works. And it made us late, so we uh, got to talk to Justin Wells next of Inside Texas and On3.com. His prediction on the Cowboys, his thoughts on last week, and we'll talk Longhorn basketball as well. Don't move. It's the Horn.